Hi, my name is Erin. Welcome to our weekly Maison Mission program. This is episode number eight. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, Maison Mission is an inclusive faith community. The word Maison comes from a Greek word that means greater. The Maison Mission is about finding greater spaces for people to hear and experience the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about Maison Mission in the description of this program. Will you join me in a short prayer? God, thank you so much for a new day, for a fresh start, for a chance to hear more about you um, and learn more about you. Thank you that you love us, that you provide for us, that you're with us in the good days and the bad. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey there, I'm Levi Lowry, and welcome to Maison Mission. We are in our third week of a series called the words of God as we look at the Bible, uh, what it is, what it isn't, and how do we use this uh, book of books to guide our lives. And I want to start with a couple of stories. Uh, throughout the years, uh, Scripture has been used in, uh, for a lot of good, but it's also been misused. And I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. You probably have heard of the, the astronomer and the physicist Galileo and, and all that he did in the name of science. But what you may not know about Galileo is that he was actually excommunicated from the Catholic Church back in 1633. And the whole reason that he was in hot water with the Catholic Church is that he did not hold to the church's belief that the earth was the center of the universe. And they didn't like that because that went against what they believed that the Bible taught. And so there was a hearing in 1633 and the the church did not, they did not side with him, and they actually handed down an order that said, we pronounce, judge, and declare that you, the said Galileo, have rendered yourself vehemently suspected by this holy office of heresy, that is, of having believed and held the doctrine, which is false and contrary to the holy and divine scriptures, that the sun is the center of the world, and that it does not move from east to west, and that the earth does move and is not the center of the world. And along with that order came a penalty. They, they wrote, We order that by a public edict the book of dialogues of Galileo be prohibited, and we condemn thee to the prison of this holy office during our will and pleasure, and as a salutary penance we enjoin on thee that for the space of three years thou shalt recite once a week the seven uh, penitential psalms. And so he agreed not to teach the heresy anymore, and he spent the rest of his life under house arrest. It actually took over 300 years for the church to admit that Galileo was right and to clear his name, his good name. And so in this sense, we, we have people uh, that were using, church leaders who were using uh, the Bible is kind of a science book, and the scientists of the time were saying, no, 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 like, the earth is not the center of the universe, uh, the sun is, and they just, they weren't having it. And so, you may have run into something like that uh, in your life as well. I mean, you haven't been excommunicated from the church, but uh, some some people 
asking more of the Bible than what it was ever really meant to be in terms of science. Now, the second story is this, and it dates back to 1637. There was an army of English settlers under the leadership of Captain uh, John Mason, and they breached the walls of a Pequot village near the Mystic River. And with the help of some allies, they, they actually set fire to that community, and hundreds of the Pequot burned alive, and those who managed to escape were shot or slain by Mason's men. Now get this, recounting his role in the massacre, Puritan John Underhill wrote, he actually wrote this down, pen to paper, down fell men, women, and children. Should not Christians have more mercy and compassion? Sometimes the scriptures declareth, women and children must perish with their parents. We had sufficient light from the word of God for our proceedings. Ugh. Just let that sit there. We had sufficient light from the Word of God for our proceedings. And and this is why we're talking about this, because if we aren't careful, we can use a scripture here or a little passage there to justify just about anything that we want to do. But that there's a bigger story going on in Scripture, and we have a responsibility to, to handle Scripture well. You know, I, I read these stories, I hear these stories, and I just shake my head. The, the Galileo was put out of the church as an old man. Uh, he was in his late 70s, and that the Scripture was used to justify um, setting a, a village on fire. I mean, it just it churns my stomach. And there's part of me that wants to think that we have moved beyond these types of scenarios. But uh, even just a couple of weeks ago, I watched, and you watched most likely, is folks carrying giant banners declaring Jesus saves up the Capitol steps in Washington, D.C. in violent protest of our presidential election results. And they were no doubt feeling justified by some random scripture verse that, that set them ablaze to, to justify what they were doing. And so as much as I want to pretend that we've got a handle on this, we just, we don't. I mean, obviously we've got a lot of work, a lot of corrective work to do in the church moving forward. And so what I want to talk about this morning is the need for discernment as we interpret and read and quote and teach and use Scripture. Because we are always interpreting Scripture. We are always approaching it from uh, an angle through a certain lens. And nobody, I don't care what anybody tells you, nobody just reads the Bible and does everything that is written in it. It is an ancient book that was written in a different time, in a different place, in a different culture. And we just don't do everything that's in the Bible. How do I know this? Because if we did everything that was in the Bible, uh, we would be in prison, right? I mean, we don't stone disobedient children anymore. We don't, we don't do that. <laughs> My kids are grateful, I promise you. We wear clothing made of two different types of fabric. We don't practice genocide in the name of God. We don't greet each other with a holy kiss, or we don't require women to wear head coverings. We no longer use scripture to justify owning other humans as slaves. And I've been in ministry almost 21 years, 
And almost every pastor I know has officiated the wedding of someone who is being remarried after a divorce, even though Jesus himself expressly forbids it. And so how does this happen? How, how do we follow some scripture, but we don't follow all of it? Well, here's the deal. At some point, folks had to interpret the scripture. They had to decide that we don't stone children, that we can wear a, a cotton polyester mixed shirt, that we don't require head coverings or holy kisses or own slaves or forbid remarriage. And not surprisingly, Christians don't always agree on the different interpretations. And it's part of the reason that we have over 1,200 different denominations in the U.S. alone. I did a quick Google search, and it said worldwide there could be up to 30,000 different sectors or denominations of the Christian faith. And what it comes down to is that certain groups of people have said that we interpret a passage this way, we interpret a passage that way, and before you know it, you have thousands of different groups within the people of God. Now, this may seem a little bit alarming to you, but this practice of wrestling and arguing and debating scriptures, it predates even Jesus. And the rabbis in his day were the ones who were educated in the things of God, and they would come up with their interpretations of what Scripture was saying or what it was not saying and, and what it permitted and, and what it was forbidding. And the teachings of each rabbi were referred to as his yoke. Rob Bell talks about this in his book, Velvet Elvis. He says different rabbis had different sets of rules, which were really different lists of what they forbade and what they permitted. Uh, a rabbi's set of rules and lists, which was really that rabbi's interpretation of how to live the Torah or the scripture. It was called that rabbi's yoke. And when you followed a certain rabbi, you were following him because you believed that rabbi's set of interpretations were the closest to what God intended through the scriptures. And when you followed that rabbi, you were taking up that rabbi's yoke. And there's one rabbi who even said his yoke is easy. And that was Jesus. He's the one that, that many of us are still following. And so the intent then of a rabbi having a yoke wasn't just to interpret the words correctly. It was to live them out in the Jewish context. Action was always the goal. In fact, it still is. And this is what we're going after, isn't it? I mean, to figure out how we are to interpret the scriptures so that we can live them out in the world in which we find ourselves living. Now, how do we do that? You're like, Levi, just, just tell me, just give me three things. And, and it's complicated. I can't just, I can't give you three things and send you on your way and say, this is how you do it. Because it just, it would be a bit of a slap in the face to uh, the men and the women who have spent uh, years and years in education, learning the original languages and how to do interpretation um, correctly. So uh, this isn't something that can be covered in 20 minutes because there are people that give the better part of a, a decade of their life uh, to this. But I do have just a few thoughts and I do have a few suggestions that I think can help those of us that, that aren't going to go to a divinity school 
uh, at any point. And the the first uh, the first quick hit, the first suggestion I would say is is you. Uh, read scripture and, and begin to interpret what is it saying is does it pass the Jesus test is is the scripture in character with who Jesus is is it something that Jesus would command or do or would he live out and so this is going to uh, eliminate um, violence uh, against an enemy uh, because you can find that in the Old Testament, but Jesus very famously says, you know, that we're to love our enemies. And so we talked a lot about that last week, if you want to go back and listen to it, that if you're ever at odds with Scripture, one seems to say one thing, one seems to say another, you always side with Jesus because He is the perfect revelation of who God is. All right? And the second one is this. I would encourage you to find your rabbi or find your people. And what I mean by that is find the voices that you feel are doing the very best job at getting the closest to what God intended uh, in the scripture and lean into their voice. And it's not much different than what was happening in Jesus's day, uh, that people would find a rabbi because they thought that his yoke, his, his grouping of teachings was the closest to what God had to say. And so there are authors and theologians and pastors and, and teachers. And so I encourage you to find those voices that, that connect uh, your heart with the, the words of God and, and lean into those. And, and so my very next suggestion is going to seem a little oxymoronic. I'm going to ask you to do the opposite of what I just told you to do. Uh, when you do find those voices, it's, it's good to reach outside of those voices at times as well. Uh, we don't need to be living in an echo chamber. Uh, there is enough of that going on uh, in our country today. So I encourage you to explore different perspectives of well, as well, especially if this, uh, you're wrestling and you're struggling is, uh, about, uh, around a certain issue. And I remember uh, 12 or 15 years ago as I was really wrestling with the concept of hell and, and what it was and what it wasn't and, and what it had become uh, in, in my life. And, and so I had a friend recommend a book called The Four Views uh, of Hell. And it wasn't four views that aligned with what I wanted to believe. Uh, it was four views all the way around the issue. And it was a huge help to me to read some stuff that I really connected with, but also to fully understand uh, the other perspectives that were, were out there. And so uh, find the voice, find the rabbi, but then also don't just get stuck there. Listen to some folks from the other side as well. And so the next suggestion I would have is find other Christians, find other believers that you trust to open the scripture with. Uh, the truth is, this individualized scripture reading that, that so many of us do today—it's it's a good thing, but it's it's a re, it's a it's a new construct because there were thousands of years before the printing press when God's people did not own a personal copy of the Bible, much less. Uh, 20 copies in all different versions or a tablet where you could just choose between 40 different versions of Scripture at the, the touch of a screen. And so they would actually gather to hear the word uh, read, and then they would discuss it. 
And in the Jewish tradition, these discussions could at times be lively and passionate and loud and long. And, um, and so I encourage you, uh, these words were meant to be read in community, not just alone all of the time. It's a blessing that we, we can have a copy uh, for ourselves, but it can really come alive when you discuss it with others. So, And I'll close with this. Uh, something that helped me a while back came from Am- Adam Hamilton's book called Making Sense of the Bible. And he says that he likes to have three broad categories for Scripture, and he calls them buckets. And so we can take certain Scriptures and we can put them in bucket one, bucket two, or bucket three. And this is where some of the disagreement comes in, because there may be a passage that I would say would be a bucket one, and we'll get into that in a minute, and you, you may say, no, 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 that's not, a, that's not a bucket one issue, that's a bucket two issue, and that's part of the reason that <laughs> we have all the denominations uh, that we have today. It's why you can drive around Gainesville, and there's like 200 different churches, right? So the first bucket is this. There are passages of Scripture, and he would say the vast majority of Scripture, that reflect the timeless will of God for human beings. And so these would be the big themes of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That, That God is love. He is a redeeming God. These These are the passages that reflect the timeless will of God for all people of all time. Okay, so that's bucket number one. Bucket number two uh, would be for passages that reflect God's will in a particular time, but not for all time which would include the ritual law of the Old Testament, which is why you can eat uh, shellfish, it's why you can eat pork, it's why we can have barbecue together, uh, because we say that that would be a bucket two uh, scripture, that it's not for all people at all time, but it's it was for a particular time. And this is where some different Christians would disagree because there are some that hold that women should be quiet in the church, that they should not teach. And they would say that that is something that was for all time and all people. And other people say, no, 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 no. That, that was just for a particular time and a particular space for a particular grouping of people. But no, we're not going to hold women down. Uh, for for all time. And so this is where it can get uh, a little bit dicey, but that's bucket two, okay? God's will in a particular time, but not for all time. And then the third is this, and and this may rub some of you uh, the wrong way. I don't know. Uh, It it had to grow on me, but he said bucket three uh, are for passages that reflect the culture in the historical circumstances in which they were written, but never reflected God's timeless will, like those related to slavery. We believe that in a certain time in history and in the culture, they could not imagine life without owning slaves. But we don't believe that it was any more God's will and purpose for those people to be slaves than people who are trafficked and are slaves today. And so it can be hard sometimes to think that there, there are things that were recorded that, that are not reflecting God's timeless will, but I do. <laughs> you know, I just don't think 
that he ever wanted those people to be slaves any more than he wants somebody to be enslaved today. And so it's basically saying that we have to determine which passages are for a specific time and place in history and which ones are the enduring, timeless will of God. And so I know that this isn't, that's not seminary in 20 minutes, but they are some ideas of how we can approach Scripture and how we can place it and what we can do with it. And I want to I leave you with some resources, okay? There's three books that have really helped me, and the first two are very, very readable and approachable, and they move fast, and uh, I would highly recommend them as kind of a starting point. And the first one is Inspired by Rachel Held Evans. Great book. Uh, and the second one is What is the Bible by Rob Bell. And that was actually a series of blogs that he did over the span of a, a year or a little bit more that eventually became edited down into a book. It moves fast and it's back and forth. There's a lot of historical stuff in there and uh, I think you would really enjoy it. And the last one is the book Making Sense of Scripture by Adam Hamilton. It is not as quick and easy a read as the first two, but it really does kind of plumb the depths on some issue and, and goes into uh, some just some really good teaching and writing. And so if you want to uh, go a little bit deeper, I, I would highly, highly recommend that as a way of making sense of Scripture, as the title of his book says. But I want to close this with a word of prayer today. God, I thank you so much for your words. I thank you even more for Jesus, that you gave us the exact replica of who you are in him. And that when we're in doubt, we, just, we can simply look to Jesus and his ways and his teachings and the way in which he moved about the world and, and model our lives after that. We thank you that through him, we have life, through his life, death, and resurrection, that we can experience the fullness of life that you have for us. And so, Father, as we sit here thousands of years later uh, reading this uh, book that we call the Bible, made up of uh, many different books. Father, would, would you continue to lead and guide us? And, and Father, may we always approach these words uh, with the hope that you will empower us to live better lives, lives that are set apart from you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. A few reminders before you go. Maison Mission is a non-denominational church these programs and conversations are only possible through the financial support and donations from people like you. If our program encouraged you today, consider supporting the Maison Mission with a one-time gift or on a reoccurring basis. You can give through the link shown on your screen. Thanks. Join us next week as we continue in our series, Words of God.